We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Tabernacle of Praise with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. Esther chapter 4. Esther chapter 4. Verses 14 through 16. For if thou, if thou altogether holdeth thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? For such a time as this. Then Esther bade them return Mordecai this answer. Go gather together all the Jews that are present in Shashan, and fast ye for me, and neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise. And so will I go unto the king, which is not according to the law. If I perish, I perish. If you were here a, a year and a half or so ago, you, you remember uh, how that God spoke to us and how that there would be a sifting in the church. Now, I knew that would be quiet. Because some people were offended when that statement was made because you, you took it that there would be a sifting of people. Now, quite honestly, there have been some that have left. Uh, there have, you know, that's part of sifting. But what God was really wanting us to understand was that He wanted to sift through our lives. See, a lot of times in our lives, we, we, we place a little baggage over here, and we place a little baggage in here, and we place a little extra over here, and, and all those things accumulate. And so over time, we begin to get pulled down. The weight of things pulls us down. And, and so God was primarily speaking to us that He wanted to, to sift the things out of our life that were pulling us down, removing things that stand in our way in the kingdom. You know, when we're working in the kingdom, a lot of times we come to crossroads. And you, 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 you know what, what Yogi Berra said, when you come to a you know, cross in the road, we'll take it. And a lot of times that's how we approach God. We're not sure which way we're going to go. God doesn't intend for us to have crossroads. But He wants to take and sift things out of our lives that keep us on the path in the kingdom. That time in that era of our church was what I call a decision time. And all of us in our lives come to periods in our time when we make decisions. Some of those are in God's kingdom. Some of those are in our life. Some of those are about our situations. There's a saying that says there are five things that are not recoverable. Five things that are not recoverable. A stone that's thrown into a deep lake. A word after it's already been spoken. An occasion after you've already missed it. A person after they've passed away. And time after it has gone by you. Not recoverable. Remember that this, this thing, I want you to, if you get anything, remember this. Giving up assures you absolutely, without a doubt, that you're going to fail. Giving up assures you absolutely, without a doubt, you're going to fail. We're not going to give up on what God wants to do here, are we? There, there is a dynamic in this area, in, in, in the area that we live, that God wants to do, and there's a vision that God has for this church. 
God didn't plant this church here without first having a vision for this church. What is a vision? Man, we, you've heard that preached over and over in different places and different times and had people, what is a vision? Well, Abraham called his vision a word. The vision that he got from God, he called it a word. Martin Luther King called it a dream. The vision that he had was a dream. John F. Kennedy, he called it a challenge. The Apostle Paul just called it a vision. What God wants to do to accomplish the manner and will and purpose in His church. That's what a vision is. God wants people who see the invisible. He wants people who see the invisible. That's what vision is about. To see the invisible. God wants people that hear the inaudible. Things that you don't hear in the natural. God wants people that think the unthinkable. Would you ever believe in your life you would ever have seen a man brought back to life from the death? You ever believe that? Would you? In my lifetime, I never thought I would see something like that. And yet there's a man that sits in this building today that God brought back to life from death. I'd have never, God wants us to think the unthinkable. He wants us to believe the incredible. What's incredible? Not the incredible is the cartoon. He wants you to believe the incredible. We all have all in our minds, you know, especially when you're children, you dream up incredible things, don't you? Things that just can't happen. God wants us as a people to believe in the incredible. He wants you to do the impossible. That's what God wants. That is God's vision for the church. He wants people who will step out of the boat and wade off into the water. That's the vision God has for the church. Sadly, in many churches today, most saints in churches today see obstacles, not objectives and opportunities. When it comes to the kingdom, most saints that sit on a pew see obstacles. This is in the way. That's in the way. We can't do this. We, have it. we can't go there. When in fact, God wants His church to see objectives and opportunities. There's a group of people in Dublin that when you go through customs, they warn you about. Every single person. If you stand in customs lines, you hear it. They warn you about. Those, that group of people in Dublin is called gypsies. And they warn you about them. What they tell you is this. Listen, be very aware. They look for every opportunity to pick your pocket. Lo and behold. No, I didn't get my pocket picked. I put my wallet in the front. Lo and behold, when we got into Dublin and was walking around, what did we see? Looking for an opportunity. My, my, my. What if I as a Christian did what a gypsy did and looked for any opportunity? Any op That's what God's looking for in His church. People who are looking for an opportunity. Vision is simply seeing the invisible, hearing the inaudible, believing the unbelievable, thinking the unthinkable. Why do I need a vision? Why do you need a vision? It's real simple. It's, it's all tucked in into this statement. He who aims at nothing will hit their mark every single time. That's why you need a vision. Because without a vision, you perish. You've got to have a vision. You've got to have a directive. You've got to see ahead. You've got to think the unthinkable. You've got to believe the unbelievable. All of those things, you've got to have those because if you're just aiming for nothing, you're going to hit it every time. A real vision, a true vision, will consume you. 
It'll consume you. Abraham, from God, saw a city whose builder and maker was God, uprooted himself in obedience, and spent the rest of his life searching his vision. He didn't know the path he would traverse. He didn't know the people he would encounter. But his vision overcame him. He had to follow after that vision because that vision came from God and that vision consumed him. Moses left the ease of... It would have been real easy. When Moses saw the Egyptians beating the the slaves, just to back up and say, you know what, I'm an Egyptian now. I'll just leave that alone. But he didn't. He chose... He chose to leave the ease of Egypt and suffer affliction with his own people. In his life, there were murmurings, there were grumblings, there were complainings. But you see, God had given Moses a vision. You're going to go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And Pharaoh is going to let my people go. He had a vision, and so he spent the rest of his life pursuing his vision. Paul, the Apostle Paul, he did a 180-degree turn, and he began to preach the very gospel that he despised and hated. The people he were killing and imprisoning, he began to preach that gospel. You see, one day on a road, he met Jesus, and Jesus, oh, Jesus blinded him. No, Jesus gave him a vision. Jesus gave him a vision. I still believe God's going to perform that which he's spoken in Tabernacle of Praise in Kennedale, Texas. I still believe he is going to perform it. I still believe God's going to move. Oh, God's been moving. Oh, you ain't seen nothing yet. God intends to move in this community. There are people in this community all around us, not just here, but Arlington, Fort Worth, all, all around, Grand Prairie, Midlothian, Waxahachie, you take, go, go, go. God still intends to move. God's going to have a people. Here's the thing that frightens pastor the most. If we're not going to be his people, he will up and root and go find somebody that will. God's going to have a people. He's going to show his might. God's going to show his might. God's going to bring revival. God's going to... Our focus has to be on our times of prayer, the altar times of prayer. In our vision, our focus needs to be on those altar times of prayer. That's not this altar. It's that altar you have at home. It's that place you have at home where you go to God when nobody else is there but you. And you spend, that's where your focus needs to be. Allowing God to move freely. Listen, in this service, what we should want to do is, how can I stop God from moving? Do you understand the power that you wield when you simply don't act in obedience? God will want to move in a service and touch people's lives. And He'll do it in the manner through worship, through word, through altar, but He'll do it in a manner. But if we choose not to act in obedience, in other words, if God spoke to me and said, you need to go pray for so-and-so. And I said, you know what, God, I'll do that next week. I don't want to do that. We hinder God from moving. We stop God from moving. We, I think a lot of times we don't understand. Be willing to let God move in lives today. After all, you didn't come here for you today, right? Woo. Man, I guess nobody's been listening, Jesse, for the last few weeks. You didn't come here for you today, right? 
You came here for Him, and you came here for them. I love worshiping God. I love worshiping God. I, I, you know, I came this morning early. Here's the thing, y'all. I, I'm fortunate. I've got a key to the front door, so I come here when nobody's here, and I can worship a little bit before Bishop gets here, and then we pray. I, I can worship. I get my worship in because the worship that I want to do up here is a worship that I want to lead you into because God wants to do something in worship. I've never in a church service seen God give the Holy Ghost to someone that wasn't in worship. I've never seen it. It's always been in worship. It's, it's amazing. And so if that's the case, I've, I've seen so many people healed, so many people delivered, so many things happen in people's life in worship. So you know what Pastor Don got in his mind this week? Maybe you ought to come in here and worship for them. Maybe you ought to give your worship to Him for them. God's not egotistical. He doesn't need or require us to worship Him. He, he doesn't have that, okay, if you don't worship me today, I'm going to strike you down. If you don't say enough hallelujahs and amen, I'm going to cripple you. If you don't give me the glory and honor that I deserve, I'm taking you out. God doesn't do that. He doesn't need any of it. He understands what worship is about for you. Be willing to believe in God's vision. You see, most People in church are following the pastor's vision because the pastor's speaking for God. The vision's already right here. The vision, the, the vision for this pastor isn't to get filthy rich, have a, a 10,000 square foot building, drive 12 Mercedes, have a $7 million home. That's not the vision for this pastor. And if it was, you'd be a fool for following it. But that's going on in churches today. The vision's already given to us. The vision's to seek and to save that which was lost. The vision is to reach out and find one more. One more time. Do y'all really believe Jesus is coming? No. no. He's coming. He said He would return and He is. You understand the stars, the stars speak His glory. You understand the mountains speak His glory. You understand the seas speak His glory. You understand the butterfly, the bee. You understand every animal. All of nature speaks, projects the glory of God. Why? Because He's returning. That's what we should be doing. Speaking and projecting the glory of God. God loves a church that's on fire. God doesn't like a smoking church. I'm not talking about... God loves a church that's on fire. You know the old saying, well, there's smoke, there's fire. The problem is to find the fire, you've got to clear the smoke. God just loves a church that's on fire. No smoke, no mirrors. God loves a church that's on fire. He loves a church that's alive. I came from a church, and again, not, some of y'all know where I came from, so I don't want to be right or I'm not bashing them. But, but you didn't dare raise your hand in church. You didn't dare say amen if somebody else was saying amen. You didn't dare pray when somebody else was praying. In other words, keep it quiet. Keep it on the down low. Keep, keep it where, you know, we don't want to get, we don't want to get out of measure here. We, God loves, that. you know what, the, the, I call this, you may not, I call that a dead church. A dead church. 
Church ought to be the most alive place you ever come to in your life. Jesus is life. Jesus gives life. This ought to be the most alive. No, I think, I think uh, the Dallas Cowboy Stadium ought to be. Uh, yeah, you knew I was going to go there, didn't you? That ought to be the most alive. That's what Justin thinks. That ought to be the most alive place in North Texas. Well, I understand it being alive, but we ought to have the most alive place that exists in this community. It ought to be full of life. The problem is most of us don't believe it. I'm not going to bash. God loves it when we allow Him to move. Move forward in Him. This is a house of prayer. It's a house of ministry. It's a house of worship. It's, it, it's wonderful when we can come and pray. It's wonderful when we can come and worship. It's wonderful when we can come and minister. Experiencing the love of God and the love for one another. It's wonderful, isn't it? What we've gone through in the last 18 months is that sifting. To bring us to a place where we can absolutely, absolutely experience what God's calling us to experience. Israel had gone into the promised land or could have gone into the promised land when they walked through the sea in 11 days they could have been in the promised land but it took them 40 years 40 why well number one was an act of disobedience but there were some other underlying things you see israel when you read their story still had a lot of egypt in them if you don't believe it Watch what happens when Moses goes to the mount. They collect all their gold and make a golden calf and worship it. Egypt. God said, you know what? You're going to have to wander for a while to get some of that Egypt out of you. A lot of times we come into church and we still have some Egypt in us. Well, y'all, I knew this wasn't going to be popular, but they, learned, they had to learn how to trust God. They had to walk through and trust God. Crazy thing, we were talking in th this morning, even as they were about to cross the Jordan, oh, that we would be back in bondage in Egypt. Oh, it was so much better to be whipped and beat, to be made, have to make bricks, to be starved to death, to watch our children die. That was so much better than what we're going through now. We don't, we don't think things like that, but do we act towards God that way? God's wanting to take us into promise. But bondage seems to look better. Do you know why people remained in bondage over time? They get real comfortable in it. Real comfortable. You can learn. You know what? I've, here's the crazy thing. I have learned, because I've had this hip problem now for a year, I have learned to be comfortable in it. I accepted the pain and the issue. The problem was now it's moved over into the left knee. You see, you, you can't get comfortable in your Egypt. It's going to move around on you. If you, you get comfortable over here, it's going to show up over here. And it's going to keep showing up until God delivers it out of your body. It's going to keep showing up. You know what? If I get comfortable with it in my knee, guess what? Man, I, I, you know, God, I need to heal it because I, I don't want this to move somewhere else. Because I'm already looking like Festus, Chester, all those gun smoke guys. I'm getting where I can't hardly even move. 
I don't need that. I need to learn to trust. They had to learn to trust God. They had to learn that God would take care of them. They had some lessons to learn before they could cross over. Do you know that there are congregations today that still are fighting battles that are 50 years old? Same battles, 50 years old. Yeah, what color carpet should we get? What kind of piano should we buy? What type of lighting should we have? My goodness, get over it and get on the commission. There's no time for any of that stuff. I still believe God has revival for this community and that we can be the lighthouse of His vision. This church can be the lighthouse for the vision that God has, not for just Tabernacle of Praise, but for all that's around us. The book of Esther is a story about a beautiful queen, a deceived king, a deceitful noble, and a very wise Hebrew brother. I'm going to condense this. I'm going to give you the Reader's Digest on this deal. The nobleman wanted to kill all of the Jews. He had a plan in place, and he had the means to carry it out. He had everything he needed. The wise Hebrew brother called on the queen, who was a Jew, to intervene. Knowing that her intervention could actually cost her her position as a queen and even her life, she balked. The whole Jewish race at this point faced extermination. That's how desperate it was. If Haman had succeeded, God's plan of salvation would have been thwarted because Jesus had to come through the Jews. And had Haman been able to destroy all the Jews, that would have thwarted. Mordecai, the Hebrew brother, said to the queen, Who knows but whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Esther moved forward in courage and faith, and they were saved. And I want you to understand something today. You're not here by coincidence. There's an orchestration in the kingdom of God and in the will and purpose of God that a lot of times we miss. You're not here by happenstance. You didn't happen to show up today. Well, I came here for this. No, God orchestrated it for you to be here today. You're not here just because. Well, I didn't have anything else to do today. You might have thought that. Or you know what? So-and-so's gone for the week, and I don't have anything else to do, so I'm going to go to church. You might have thought that. But God orchestrated every one of us that are here today to be here. God put you here for such a time as this. You're in the right place, the right time. You're at the right hour. Acts 17 and 26 says, And hath made of blood all nations. We understand that of blood all nations of men to dwell on the face of the earth and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their inhabitation. Job 14 and 5, seeing his days are determined. Do you ever believe God determines your days? God determines your days? The number of his months are with thee. Thou hast his bounds that he cannot pass. God has established you to be where you are, who you are, and what you are because of the times that we live in today. We said it last time we were in the pulpit. You weren't born 100 years ago, and you won't be born 100 years from now. You were born for a time such as this. People born 100 years ago could not work in the kingdom of God for a time such as this. And people that will be born 100 years from now, if it lingers and tarries, they, they don't have what it takes to be in this time and to be in this place for a time such as this. That's why you're here. 
God born you here. He purposed you here. What did he tell the prophet? Before you were ever conceived, before you ever came from your mother's womb, I, I knew you, I had orchestrated you, I had all of those things. And that's why you're here today. God has established you to be here for such a time as this. Today's a defining moment in your life. Well, I thought that was my 50th birthday. That was defining. My 60th was defining. And 65's creeping up. That will be very defining. The older I get, the more I realize, the less I can do. That's extremely defining. I like to go and do. I haven't been fishing in my boat in two years. That's a sin. <laughs> to him that knoweth to do good, fishing's good. Okay, well, maybe I'm stretching it. There's things that I don't do as much as I... And, there, and I'm understanding today that there's a reason for this. It's that, not that God doesn't like fishing. Who did Jesus pick for disciples? Fishermen. So I feel like I'm in good company. But it doesn't, he doesn't like and this. But there's a time. Understanding the time we're living in today. Listen, people are literally dying to hear the message that you have in your heart. People are literally dying to hear it. Not just spiritually and figuratively. They're literally dying to hear it. The message of Jesus Christ. We have all kinds of messages, don't we? Yeah, go ahead and shake your head. The church presents all kinds of messages. The funny thing is, when I look in the book of Acts, they had one message, and that was Jesus Christ. They didn't have any other messages. They just had Jesus Christ. And I think we have gone away from the root of what God's called us to do for a time like this that we live in. We need to go back to the root. We need to go back to the beginning. Not to the old church, not to the early church, but to today's church. You can't be the old early church. You can't be that. It's not going to happen. There's never going to be another day of Pentecost. You understand that, right? There's never going to be another day of Pentecost when the Spirit fell. That's never going to happen again. Do we experience those things? And Yes, but we're never going to experience that day again. What happened that day is never going to happen again because it was for that time and that day and that period. What we're going to experience is what God has for us to experience. He wants us to have that experience, but He wants us to portray and bring that glory of Him into the light, into the world, into the opening, out of the darkness. He wants us to bring that to our society, to our neighbors, to our families, that's why we're here for a time such as this. <clears throat> Let's see. I'm going to pick on some of you because some of you are my age. That's right. <laughs> You're already smiling. I <laughs> already did it once. I won't do it again. Forty years ago, I'd have never even could spell coronavirus. And now look what I'm dealing with. 20 years ago, listen, the unrest that's going on in America. You know, I want to say this, and I want this to be very understood. This is not racial unrest. No. This is spiritual unrest. I just read you a scripture that by one blood, by the same blood, 
all nations. All nations. We're all of the same blood. I mean, I, I'm sorry. I, I'll get through with this. I, I just pick. I'm going to pick on some people. I'm sorry, Felicia. I'm, I'm your brother, blood, whether you like. She's just kind and likes me anyway, even though I am who I am. I apologize, but we're sister and brother. Absolutely. And I'll say that to every single one of you. We've got to understand something. We're, we're not battling flesh and blood in this society. You know, 50 years ago, this stuff was going on, wasn't it? But we have a lovely, lovely, lovely news group that really wants to sponsor this now and make it something big. It's been going on for a long time. We just need to understand that it's always been spiritual. We're finally waking up to it. Things have gone on that should have never gone on. And we're waking up to it that it was a spiritual thing. All this time we're thinking we should do this and not do this. Don't say that and go, go here. And don't. That wasn't the issue at all. Jesus was the answer to the issue. Understanding this is a spiritual thing. What's going on in America is very spiritual. I, I said something the other day that I think might have upset some people when I said that the coronavirus is a smokescreen. It's real. It's real. But understand something. It's a bunch of smoke. It's real smoke. Smoke. Listen, if you don't think smoke's real, go start a fire, throw a bunch of wet stuff on it, and get in the smoke. It's real. Your eyes will water. You'll cough. It's real. But it's covering up what's going on underneath. And all of this business, all of this stuff, is nothing more than covering up the fact that we're in a spiritual war right now. There's a warfare going on for our country, our nations, our families, our church. Our, together, our unity, there's a warfare going on right now. And we are called today. You are here today for a time such as this. God had you here today because God, listen, we believe in faith in God, right? Everybody, faith in God, faith in God. Do you understand God has faith in you? That's why he had you born in this time. He knew you had the capacity through him to be in this time and era for a time such as this. You would be the ones that would reach the people. You would be the one that pray. You would be the one that fast. You would, there are other people that weren't born in this time for that reason. They couldn't do it. That's why you're here for a time such as this. Esther was born. What did, what did he say? Well, he said, listen, can I say it in English? Esther, could it be that you were born for a time such as this? Could it be that you were born... For this time, this cause, this place, you were born, Esther. You. Crisis is gripping people all around us. Crisis. I, you know, I have to use crisis because that involves everything going on. In 1962, there was a book published. It was entitled Cradles of Eminence. If you've ever read it, Cradles of Eminence. There was some 413 people who had really excelled in society, uh, and they had studied these people. This book is a, the process of they had studied these people for five years. And 392 of the 413 people that they had studied had a single common thread as to why they were so successful. And the common thread was that they all faced unbelievable obstacles in their life. 
That's why they were successful. We look at what we're looking at in our faces today, and some of us see this virus, see this tension and all this as unbelievable obstacles. Do you understand? That's what's going to take us to success. God's going to take us through the unbelievable obstacle, through the processes of all the things that are going on. God's going to take Most of the church doesn't believe it. I'm not talking about tabernacle. I believe you believe it. Most of the church doesn't believe God can. Well, maybe I am. Crystal's laughing at me. She knows I'm lying now with a mic. Do we believe it? Do we as a church believe God called us to this era and this time to be who we are? Because it's only going to be us. If it's not us, he'll find somebody, but somebody born in this time that's going to walk through these unbelievable obstacles. I'm going to just make a, I'm not a prophet, so I'm not going to prophesy. But I'm going to tell you this. Depending on who wins November the 3rd, you will either see the vanishing of the coronavirus or you will see it exponentially increase. One of the two. It won't be in the middle. Depends on who wins. Particular one wins, virus, the smoke. We don't need the smoke anymore. They had unbelievable obstacles. They went through the fire. Booker T. Washington said, you cannot ever judge success by what position you have. And that's our problem. We look at the position we're in, and that's how we judge our success. Well, I don't have as much as they have. I'm not as successful. I don't own as much as they I'm not as successful. I haven't accomplished as much. I'm not successful. Here's what he said. You can only judge success but what you have to had overcome to get there. Some people are very successful in life and never had to overcome anything. Does that mean they're successful? No. Because success is what you have to overcome to get there. It's the product. Many of you have been through the fire. I, I'm looking at many people. You've been through the fire here. And one way or another, the fire has hit your life. And you've been through it. But listen, you're going through the fire because God called you for such a time as this. God's gifted His church, hasn't He? God's gifted His church. There's more than enough of what God has gifted in this church alone to complete and bring about God's plan in this country. There's enough people in here that God has gifted you with abilities that God's plan can be brought to fruition in America. But we're just a little church in Kennedale, Texas. Some people can't spell Kennedale, and they've never been there. And that's the approach a lot of times we have. When in fact, when all of, you know, I, I think of all of glory. Every time a sinner comes, then all of glory, all of heaven, they're all shouting. And Do you understand that there's shouting and praising going on the whole time in heaven? And I think that God's intent is for that to be going on in His kingdom. It's His intent for that there ought to be shouting and glory and all of those things ought to be happening all the time. Why is that? Because people's lives are being changed. Can I th- I'm going to throw something at you. It's not bashing. I'll get through it, and I'll be finished. Do you all know why Pastor Don doesn't <laughs> preach evangelistically? Anybody? Nobody understands why? Well, it's the same thing as running water out on the parking lot. Quit smiling, Mission. <laughs> running water out on the parking lot, getting my rod and reel out, and throwing my bait in there to catch a fish. 
You, you know what? how foolish that is? You can't catch fish where there's no fish, right? You understand why Pastor Don doesn't preach evangelistically. You've got to have some fish to catch. God's called us for such a time as this. God wants to stock our pond. God wants to stock our pond. You know how God stocks the pond? No, it's not the deal. We talked about this morning. There are some people, my pond got stocked naturally. There's, this bird flew over and got the eggs of the fish from another pond, and that does happen, by the way. And the, the egg stayed on the bird, and he flew and landed in my pond that had no fish in it, and the eggs hatched. And that, that literally happens. The sad thing, that is how most Christians view stocking the pond. Let's let somebody else bring the eggs in. When God wants us to stock the pond. He called you and I here because people a hundred years from now, a hundred years ago, can't talk and have communication and understand the principles of the people that you encounter every day. You can. That's why you're here. You have the spirit. You have the wherewithal. You have the gifts to be able to reach this time, this people in this era. You are called for such a time as this. God's called us to be pond stockers. I love the fishing thing. I'll, anywhere I can go with 1 Corinthians 6 and 2 says, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. There's a key word in this verse. Can anybody? Thank you. I, I hadn't put all of you to sleep yet. Now. 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 For, when David was running from Saul, God sent thousands of men to help him. But probably the most important group in those thousands was a group of 200 men. A group of 200 men. They were chosen for their insight and foresight, their ability to look beyond the day. They were chosen because they had the ability to understand not just the times, but discern the issues in the times and chart an accurate course for the future. That's why these 200. They were the 200 men of Asakar. They were the 200 men of Essachar. Men who were chosen of God for such a time as this. Do you believe God's called us to carry out a plan? I do. I believe God's called us to carry There's a very familiar guy, and I'm going to finish with this, Gideon. God gave Gideon. God didn't give the people a plan. God gave Gideon a plan. And Gideon began to march and work through that plan. And we know there was literally thousands of men that walked. Gideon winds up with 300 men. And he's about to march against and war against hundreds of thousands of enemy. This doesn't look too good. But he's following God's plan. And so these 300 men go with Gideon and they march towards the armies, the enemy. And all they have is a trumpet, a clay jar, and a candlestick. But you know what they did? They followed God's plan. And when they took the clay jar off, 300 light prospects lit up the sky. When they threw the jars down and they broke, the sound, listen, that was the light of the glory of God. When the sound of those jars breaking hit, it was the sound of the glory of God. 
And when the trumpets all sounded, the 300 trumpets, it was the sound of the trumpet of the glory of God. It was so powerful. Listen, you understand that it wasn't that the 300 showed up. It was that the 300 came with God's plan. Anybody can show up, but they came with God's plan. And what happened to the enemy? They were so disturbed and scared and frightful that they just drew their swords and started killing each other. You know there's a group of animals that does that? There's a group of animals that when they become so disturbed and frightful, they begin to attack one another. Wouldn't you love it to just take God's plan and show God's glory? Wouldn't you love it just to do that and nothing else and watch your enemies go crunch? Wouldn't you just love That's all you got to do. Follow God's plan. Give God's glory. Follow God's plan. Give God's glory. I'm going to ask you to stand if you would. We make too much. Don't misunderstand what I'm about to say. But we make too much about what we think we ought to do. When God gave us a plan, it's very simple. It's very simple. Jesus said, look, here's what I want you to do. Go into the highways and the byways and compel them to come. That, that's what you do. That's, that's His plan. Go into the highways and byways and compel them to come. Jesus did that. Here's the problem. Not everybody came when Jesus went into the highways. Not everybody and we're too afraid that we're going to go into the highways and byways and not everybody's going to come. If that happened to the Lord, don't you think it's going to happen to you? All right, so let's get over that one. You over that one now? You good with that? Not everybody that you got, it's not going to happen. We're over that. Jesus went around and, he, and man, he performed miracles and there were those that followed him and, they, this, and he did all this stuff. Do you know how many people followed Jesus after a miracle? Hmm, you might ought to look in your book. People don't follow Jesus for miracles. They were just after something they needed. They weren't after Jesus. So I'm going to tell you something. There's going to be people that you're going to address in your life, that you're going to be able to help them, but they're not going to follow Jesus, okay? They didn't follow the Lord. Okay, you all over that one? Good? Not, not everybody's going to... Jesus told his disciples, hey, we're coming into a city. So let me explain something to y'all. If nobody wants to hear what we have to say, don't get mad. Don't get even. Don't get angry. Don't do this. Don't crucify them. Don't curse them. That, Jesus said, just kick the dirt off your feet. You, you don't want to take their dirt into somebody else's town. Kick the dirt and keep going. Some people are just not going to listen. They don't want to hear it. That's sad, isn't it? Because people wind up in eternity in the wrong place. But, but what Jesus wasn't being cruel. He was just saying, listen, so you understand today that there's going to be people that you encounter that you're going to, they just don't want to hear it. Okay, we're done with that one. So what's going to stop us now from going out into the highways and byways? Because and we're called to a time such as this. We're called to a time such as this. We're called to reach those, to touch those, to call those. Not everybody's going to answer. Not everybody's going to respond. But if one sinner turns to God, all of heaven rejoices.
all of heaven rejoices. Now, can I? I was a sinner. Now I still am. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. We need to quit pitting the church against the sinner. If you weren't a sinner when you came in here, you're one now. I done rubbed off on you. Understand something. God uses us, the people of God, who have issues. If nobody else in here has an issue, I do. And since I'm the pastor, you're inclusive. We all own it. Because we're all one body. We're all one body, the body of Jesus Christ. So we need to get past that and understand, listen, they just haven't experienced what I've experienced. What's the difference between me and the drug addict on the corner? They just hadn't experienced what I've experienced. Because I'm telling you something. I had that issue in my life. What about the guy that's locked up? He's in jail now and he's going to have a trial pretty soon because he was a thief. What's the difference between... Because you know what? I had that problem too. What about the guy that's DTing right now? He's shaking because he can't get a drink. So he's going to do whatever he can to get a drink. I appreciate the guy on the side of the road down there that has that sign that says, I need a beer. You know, don't tell me you're getting food for your kids. You, you got throat. No, you just, you're being honest. He's being honest. I know. I didn't give him a dollar for a beer. Don't. I gave him some good advice. I used to have that problem. The only difference between me and them is they haven't experienced, because I'm telling you something, now that I've experienced this Jesus, now that I've experienced Jesus Christ, not that I'd heard of Him, I heard of Jesus Christ all my life. I grew up in church. I was in, I'm telling you, I was in church more than anybody, including, there she is, and her dad was pastor. I've been in church because I'm older. I'm older. I've been in church more than probably anybody in here. Maybe not Jesse. Maybe not Bishop. But just being in church doesn't get you there. I heard about Jesus all my life. I heard all these things. But you know what? When I experienced Him, the first time that I experienced Him, and you know what? what what's just the, the fire in me? I want, some, I, can't, I want somebody to experience this. Somebody else needs this. Somebody else needs to have this. You know, if God can turn me around, if God can change me, somebody else needs this. Somebody's hungry out there. Lord Jesus, You've called, I want to speak for myself, Lord. You've, you've called me for a time such as this. God, I want to answer that call. Your, your word says many are called, few are chosen. And we can take that in many directions. But if you call me into this time, I want to answer that calling today. There are people around me every day at work, wherever I go, Lord. The stores I go into, the people I encounter. They, they don't want to hear my doctrine. They want to hear Jesus. They don't want to hear what I think about this. and that. They want to hear about Jesus. That's going to change their life. You changed my life, Lord, simply because I experienced you in an altar. I experienced you in a place. I experienced you in a seat. I, I don't forget the day, Lord. Three pews back. Left side. Four people over. The day you touched my life, I'll never forget it. 
And if you touch me that way, Lord, there are people all around us. You've called us for a time such as this. Church, if you hear that calling this morning, answer that call. Answer that call. God's not calling you to be a preacher. We all preach. The Bible says that we all preach the gospel. But He's not calling you to be a pastor preacher. He's just calling you to get His name out there. He's not calling you to be a teacher. He's just calling you to get His name out there. He's not calling you to be a healer. He's calling you to get His name out there. Don't put the pressure on you. Just understand something today. He's called you for a time such as this. In Jesus' name. Church, reach out to the Lord right now and just reach out to the Lord. Lord, you've called me to a time such as this. I'm answering that call today. I, I hear your voice. I, I hear you speaking my mind, into my spirit. Change, change the way I approach, life, approach my life today. I, I, God, I, I have a routine that's so routine. Change my routine. Change, change the way I approach life. Change the way I approach people, Lord. I know I don't have to bash them and jump on them. And all I've got to do is speak Jesus into their life. God, I have found that you have always, always put me in the path of someone who you have already talked to, that you're already dealing with them. They just needed somebody in the flesh to speak Jesus to them. Change me today. Change my ways. Change my routine. Change my path. Out of the five things that we can never redeem again, they can never be replaced, the person that passes affects me the most because I have no control over time. But I do have control over how I speak to people. And God, I know I'm encountering people every day that have the possibility of passing from this life and it's done. I can't redeem that back. God, help me to see. Help me to feel. Help me to have compassion. Lord, we used to call it in the old church soul winning. Lord, I don't know where we even came up with that term, God, but if that's the term that it takes to ignite us, make us soul winners. That's what it takes, God. Whatever it is, we want to fill our pond up. We want to fill our pond up, God, so that we can speak Jesus into their lives. God, help us to realize the times we're living in. Help us as men, the leaders of our homes, to place ourselves in leadership. This is not an egotistical thing, and it's not a chauvinistic thing God you inspired it from the very beginning there had to be a leader in everything help us as men to be leaders and for those that have have no men in their life that at this point in time in their life they're, that, that, that doesn't mean anything other than the, the leadership they find is straight from you that's all it means but leadership has to be in our lives God, I realize today that the call on my life, it's without repentance. When I came into your kingdom, the call on my life was to go and compel, go into the highways and byways.
Let me complete my journey, Lord. I, none of us know how much longer we have in this earth. But Lord, let me complete my journey with someone in hand. God, let me complete my journey with someone in arm. Let me finish my race having someone else in my life that I could touch for Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Just allow the Holy Ghost to speak to you just a little bit this morning. We're going to finish here in a second. Just allow the Holy Ghost to speak to you this morning. Let God speak into your heart. God brings into our mind sometimes people, sometimes names. Sometimes He brings groups, nations. Let God speak into your life today, someone. Someone. He'll speak someone into your life that wants to hear, that needs to hear. He'll position them in your life if you'll just hear His voice this morning. God, speak someone into my life. God, let me, let me be the candlestick. Let me be the, the, the clay jar. Let me, let, me, let me be the trumpet so that the enemy is defeated and your plan is successful. Help us as a people. God, we're of one blood. All of us people in this place today, we are of one blood. Let a unity be sanctified in this place this morning. Let a unity be sanctified in this place this morning in our life. For more information about Tabernacle of Praise, look us up online at tabernaclepraise.org. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with our Facebook page. We also have a free app that you can use to keep up with events or be notified of bad weather, and you can listen to our sermons directly from the app. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed day.